God is good. Yeah. We have, uh, last week, um, ministered some things on David. I've, um, well, in fact, let's go to, put that 1 Corinthians 10 up there, if you will. Verse we started with last week. Just that all these things happened to them as examples. Talking about the children of Israel in context, dealing with, uh, you know, our, those out of the old covenant. Um, and they were written for our, our admonition or teaching or instruction, that word means, uh, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. And so the bottom line is just saying that, you know, everything that we, we read there in, our, in the old covenant, and of course, what's put in my heart, uh, at least for the first part of this year, I don't, I don't know how long this is going to go, but at least for right now, um, just bringing forth the, you know, some of our patriarchs of faith, Amen. Um, you know, cloud of witnesses are referred to as in the Hebrews, and um, you know things that we can glean and learn from. Um, the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Some things, you know, happen that were great and wonderful things. Uh, you know, feats of faith, and and then you got things that happened that weren't quite so good. Come on, somebody, and you can learn some things on that. And so, um, who we began to talk about last week was David. And uh, I'm going to talk some more about David, and, um, but uh, let's go to Acts 13, and uh, verse 22, we looked at it uh, last week, and we'll go ahead and look at it again, chapter 13, verse 22, and it says, when he had uh, removed him, talking about King Saul, which he's going to come up again today, um, so King Saul was removed, talking about the, the prophet of God you know, through God, you know, by instruction of the Lord, you know, basically took the kingdom from, from King Saul and gave it to David. And it said, then when he had removed him, King Saul, he raised up for them David as king, to whom uh, also uh, he gave testimony and said, I have found David. And this, this is what he spoke of David. I have found David, uh, the son of Jesse, okay, a man after my own heart. Everybody say, after God's heart. After my own heart, who will do all my will, okay? Uh, so a man after my heart, the word after just means according to, so a man that's after God's heart or according, or that's according to, in other words, his heart's according to God's heart, about or towards or in pursuit of is another way of saying that. So David was a man in pursuit of God's own heart, right? Um, also, it, it says after the manner of, so a man after the manner of my own heart. And it even brings out by any means, you know, doing whatever it takes to, to, um, to gain that, to, to walk in that. Amen. So a man after my own heart. That'd be kind of a nice thing to have said about you. Right? I mean, if, you know, one day, you know, you know whether you know it or not, you know, the book of Acts is still being recorded. Right? I mean, because the church is still going on. So we're in it, and um, you know things are going to be are being recorded about you and me, you know, and and uh, one day, you know, uh, maybe this kind of statement will be made about you. I hope so. Amen. I hope so. Amen. So you're a person, a man or a woman after God's own heart, who's willing to do, you know, all His will, you know, and um, all will. It says, after my own heart, who will do? And maybe I'll bring that up. You know, it just means one that's. Uh, ready to fulfill it, to commit, uh, to execute without delay, it means. 
So you think about this, you know, uh, you're, 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 you're committed. So David was committed to do the will of God. Amen. And that just means no other options. Come on, right? Without delay, in other words, no hesitation. And, and David was quick to do things. You know, there was some things he was quick to do. And when he was, you know, locked on, he did good. In a few moments there, he got a little distracted and had a little problem or two. Come on. But uh, he was quick to follow, quick to pursue, agree, to praise, amen, quick to forgive, quick to repent. There were just some good qualities there. And some of those are things we're going to talk about today. Let's go to the other reference in 1 Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel 13. And it says the same thing. This is where it was uh, you know, brought forth out of and, and, and recorded then again in Acts. So 1 Samuel 13. Y'all doing good? Now, I'm, I'm kind of taking my time with all this because... I feel like, you know, there's some really good things we can glean out of this that's going to change our lives. Amen? And uh, so, um, you know, I'm grateful for this church. I'm grateful for those that turn out on, on a midweek. Not a lot, not many churches get to say that. So we're, we're blessed that, that you're all turning out on a midweek. And uh, usually my midweek crowd is the, the radicals. <laughs> Yeah, come on. I thought I'd get a little more movement out of you on that, but okay, well, whatever. All right, <laughs> Amen. All right so 1 Samuel 13, this is after, uh, this is what um, was said, you know, this is after, you know, basically Saul, uh, you know, had, had his issue. And uh, so anyway, it says here, but now, verse 14, but now your kingdom shall you know, not continue. Uh, the Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, right? I'm talking about David, and the Lord has commanded him uh, to be commander. I love that, commander. That'll come up, you know, coming up probably another week or so here whenever I've got a thing brewing in my heart. In fact, it was actually what I was going to minister on today, but it got changed this morning, so that's, anyway, whatever. So anyway, the commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord had commanded you. So in other words, uh, you, want, you can't captain the people because you can't be captained. I can't captain you, so you can't captain people. Come on, somebody. But David was one that God could captain, could lead, and as a result of it, he became a captain over men. Amen. Now, um, let's, let's do this. Um, I want to um, go to, uh, we're going to come back to 1 Samuel, but let's, let's jump over to 2 Chronicles um, just over a few more books here. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 7 is what we're going to do. Just a couple statements made about David. And because um, it kind of, it'll spin us into what we have for you today. And uh, it's kind of just kind of how I feel we need to do this. Um, this, of course, is a statement being made to Solomon, which was David's son, who was, you know, took, take, you know, took over the... Uh, the kingship, and in the, in the beginning, Solomon, of course, you know, uh, was looking pretty good, you know, and he made a statement. So God, it really had manifested Himself on uh, to Solomon, and this actually is the second time that God had uh, basically manifested Himself uh, with him. And He made a statement to him. He goes, "As for you, talking about to Solomon here, if you walk or follow or pursue." Right before me, as your father David walked, and this is a different word, walk halak, which uh, this this particular word here means 
to be conversant, to keep company. Many of you heard me talk these things before, uh, but it's worthy of bringing out. Okay, it just it literally breaks down, uh, talks about companionship, companionship, association, but it refers to, when you break it all the way down, it refers to informal conversation. David was willing to just talk with God. All right, so just keep that in mind. David developed a relationship. How I many know you, you, didn't get, you didn't get saved or brought into the kingdom to be religious? Okay, in fact, I'm a little bit anti-religion, okay? Okay, okay, I mean, there's, there's good religion, you know, pure religion, the Scripture says, so that's, you know, so you can't, you know, just say I'm totally anti it, but, but most religion, uh, you know, is anti-relationship. Okay, it does everything but relate, right? But you were saved for a relationship, for intimacy with God, all right? So David understood that, okay, of course, he's old covenant. He ain't born again. He, you know, he, he has, he's never received Christ into his heart because that, that hadn't happened yet. But he knew enough to just start conversing with God, amen, and um our patriarchs of faith, uh, you know, almost all of them that did something, um, there's, there's one or two things that's going to happen or is going to be said about them. It's going to either be said that they walked with God, the same word, they conversed with God, or that they re- would refer to God as the living God. Okay, in fact, even the, the reference that we read last week with David uh, out of chapter 17 of 1 Samuel, you know, with him and the giant, facing the giant, you know, there were three times in there he referred to God as the living God, the God that's, that's able to you know, access, touch, amen, to, to, to have a relationship with. And that's, uh, you, know, um, you know, for a verse for you and me in New Covenant, uh, you'd pull up like uh, Hebrews 11 and verse 6 is, without faith it's impossible to please him for those that come to him must believe that he is right and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him but you got to believe that he is that's that same word tangible he's here he's he's present he's a living god he's a living god amen that wants to commune and fellowship with you amen he'll talk to you about anything see we we think oh he's only gonna you know the only time he's gonna talk to me is when he says go ye to timbuktu you know no no i found he'll talk to you about the color of your socks i mean God will talk to you about all kinds of things. And so people, a lot of times, they get religious, and they say, oh, no, oh, no, I couldn't, you know, God, no, 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 no. Don't ever lose uh, the intimacy, the fellowship, the relational uh, thing that you get with God. Don't ever lose it, because that's the main thing. All right, David understood that even as a man under the old covenant, understood intimacy with God. Are you with me? All right, I'm kind of way ahead of myself, but anyway, praise the Lord. So uh, anyway, it says that, uh, you know, be, you got to be like your father. In fact, uh, uh, you know, David walked with him, and so he said, you got to do the same thing. you got to maintain that, all right? He's telling Solomon to maintain that. Why do you think he told Solomon to maintain that? Because there's a good chance he wasn't. <laughs> whatever. All right, anyway, all right, whatever. First Kings, we're going to do that one, to say the same reference, but out of, uh, out of First Kings. First Kings 9, see the same thing being said here. Just give you a couple references here, all right? First Kings chapter 9, 
and verse 4, same thing going on here. He's talking to Solomon, okay? So it's just, just, the, just being recorded here in 1 Kings. And this is what he says. He says, Now if you walk before me as your father David walked, amen, in integrity of heart, which means, uh, um, you know, uh, completeness. That word integrity there means completeness or um, innocence, but it means strength of character. But it's referring to wholeness, okay, completeness, all right? In other words, uh, if you will walk in integrity of heart, everybody say of heart. Because remember, remember now, um, you know, even when the prophet went to Jesse's house to anoint the next king, uh, we see that in 1 Samuel uh, 13, I believe it is. And um, anyway, I believe that's right. I don't know, maybe I got that reference wrong, but I think that's right. I want to say that's right, but anyway. Uh, if not, I'll, I repent, but I think that's right. So, um, but uh, anyway, he said, uh, um, you know, when, when, the, when the boys were being paraded basically before the, the prophet, he thought maybe Eliab, you know, the first son, would be the one because he looked right. Boy, this guy looked like a man's man and all that kind of stuff. And God said, he's not the one. And then the second one came by and he goes, well, maybe that's the, and no, he's not the one. And he went by the first six brothers, you know. And, man, the prophet of God's kind of trying to figure out what's going on because he thought all the brothers, he'd already seen them all, and God didn't, didn't give the thumbs up to, to any of them. He, says, he said, uh, you know, the Lord doesn't look at outward appearance. He looks on the heart. Now, you got to remember that. Is it chapter 16? Okay, chapter 16, I'm sorry. So 1 Samuel 16. So anyway, um, so anyway he looks on the heart. So you just got to remember that. He's, that's never changed. He's not moved by the outward appearance. He's, he's moved by the heart. So David, that was the thing about David. David had wholeness or completeness of heart toward God and uprightness. He, his heart was to do what was right. And he, he had a complete heart toward God. Come on, somebody. That's what made him a man after God's own heart because of his heart. Are you still with me? Now, that, that's all necessary for where we're going today, okay? So, um, so with that said, we're going to uh, go to 1 Samuel, okay, 1 Samuel. Amen. Probably could have read a little bit more of that, but I think we're all right. 1 Samuel. And let's go to, well, last week we read out of chapter 17. So let's go to chapter 18 today. Now, you got an ear to hear today? Yeah. All right. So... Uh, let's see here. How do we want to do this? Let's do uh, um, verse 5. This is after David and Jonathan. You know, that Jonathan, of course, is Saul's uh, son, and Jonathan and David had, a, had a, a covenant with each other. In other words, they, they, amen, they, they believed in each other and fought by each other's side, and, you know, they had a pretty good relationship, but Dad had a little issue with him, you know, with David. And so uh, we see here it says, so basically after, this is after the, they brought down the, 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 uh, the giant and the Philistine army, all that kind of stuff happened. So David went out uh, wherever, I love this, wherever Saul sent him. Now the one thing you're going to understand is David was, was an honorable man. Okay, so David went out wherever Saul sent him and he behaved wisely, it says. Did you ever say that? He behaved wisely? Amen, amen. So he behaved wisely. No, he did the right thing because he had a, a heart, uh, you know, and in, 
uh, integrity uh, of heart and, and upright. And so he was holy. He, he, he knew that, okay, Saul's the king, and, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow what the king says. And, and so he did what, he was, what was right. And Saul set him over uh, the men. Now, remember, this guy, uh, remember we talked about last week, David, is most scholars believe at the time of dropping the giant, he was like 17 years old. Well, now, because of what he did, you know, he's pretty high on the list for everybody. I mean, as far as he's pretty up there, you know, everybody is pretty, uh, you know, pretty keen on David and uh, because of what he did. And so Saul then put him over some men of war. And so uh, and it says and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and, and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And now it had happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines that the women uh, had come out of all the cities of Israel and singing and dancing and, and uh, you know, all excited and to meet the king or, you know, King Saul uh, with tambourines, with joy, with uh, musical instruments. Everybody's man praising because there was a lot of uh, great things that happened, man. I mean, they got a victory, you know. And it says, so the men, women began to sing songs and dance, right? And they said, you know, Saul, this is part of their song, you know, Saul has slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. <laughs> So, so Saul gets a little annoyed <laughs> that uh, David's getting more praise than he is. And if you really just get down to it, it's just insecurity. Anyway, so shut up, Saul. But anyway, so then Saul was very angry, and uh, the saying displeased him. And he said, uh, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Well, you know. Now, uh, what, uh, what more can, we, uh, can he have but the kingdom? Well, you know, at this time, he already knows that he's had the kingdom already stripped from him and probably already knows about the prophet going over to Jesse's house and anointing David. Probably knows that. I'm pretty sure. They don't, I don't know if it necessarily says that, but I'm, I'm pretty sure by this time he's probably already figured it out. So Saul eyed David... From uh, that day forward, and uh, the word I there, my cross-reference just says, viewed with suspicion. Well, he got everything worked up in his head, you know, because of just some women singing a song. Come on. So all of a sudden now he's thinking, you know, maybe David, you know, is going to kill me or something. Or maybe David's going to keep making me look bad, and, you know, or whatever. Just, uh, you know, insecurity. And so um, it says, and it happened on the next day that the, uh, this that distressing spirit, it says from God, but I think there's, that could be debated, uh, came from Saul. And back then, you know, God got blamed for everything. And he prophesied inside the house. So David played uh, music with his hand, of course, just like he had done before, right? He's just playing music in the background, and, and it would, that spirit would begin to subside, you know. And it says, as, as other times, and, but there was a, this time's a little different, right? See, before, they weren't singing songs about David. Now they're singing songs about David. I mean, you think the guy would be wake up, man. David's doing good. David behaved wisely. He was, he, was a, he was an honorable man towards Saul. He'd done anything Saul wanted. You think if, David, you know, if Saul would have been smart, he'd have just fulfilled his time span while he was in, in the, on the throne, and just, you know, worked with David, come on, right? But, but you know, that's what happens when you're insecure. And it says, and Saul cast the spear, uh, for he said, I will pin David to the wall. <laughs> and, 
And uh, so in other words, he's sitting there while David's, you know, playing and whatever. So he just kind of said, I'll just take him out right now. Of course, David's far too quick for that. And uh, David, you know, you know, jumped out of the way and escaped, uh, you know, his presence. And it says twice <laughs> here. Now, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, right? Uh, but he had departed, amen, from Saul. Therefore, Saul removed him from his presence and made him uh, his captain. Still, look at this, made him his captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved wisely still, right, in all his ways. And the Lord was with him, right? And it even goes on. I don't know if I, how much reference I put up there. But therefore, uh, when Saul saw, even Saul saw, right, that, he behaved wisely, very wisely, but he was afraid of him. But all of Israel and Judah loved him <laughs> because he went out and came in before them. Amen. In other words, he, he, he did the right thing. He was honorable. Amen. But Saul didn't like him. Now, uh, you say, well, why are you reading all this? Well, David, because of the man that he was and because he was uh, a man of integrity of heart, a man after God's own heart, um, you know, pursued God, followed God, had a heart that was whole toward God. Um, one of the things that you see in David, uh, there's a lot of qualities, but the ones we're going to talk about today um, was that David was quick to forgive and quick to repent. He was. All right? It's a quality. It's a great quality to have. I said it's a great quality to have. Amen. A lot of things that go on, a lot of things that happen, a lot of times it's some things are intentional that people do. Sometimes it's not intentional. Sometimes it's just misunderstandings. Sometimes things go on. Things happen. And um, as a child of God, you know, especially if you're a child of God and you love God and you want to follow God, you know, somewhere along the line, you got to, you know, you got, this is one of those things that's got to be working in. You got to be quick to, you know, to forgive and, and quick to repent when you cross a line or you make a mistake. Come on now. I know none of you ever make mistakes. My Wednesday crowd never makes mistakes. But, uh, but uh, you know, once in a while your pastor makes a mistake but, and says something or does something or gets a wrong foul attitude or some kind of dumb thing or some stupid thing, you know. And uh, so you know, it isn't long and the Spirit of God's working on me. And yeah, better, better make that right. Amen. So to me, it's a good quality to have. It's something that you can learn from David. Um, you know, this didn't happen just one time. It didn't happen just twice. Come on. The king's trying to kill him. Okay, so, you know, you know, David just, you know, Saul still puts him in charge of some things. And, and, and David, you know, probably, you know, I, I don't know, I would assume, you know, you probably have to kind of keep one eye looking back behind him all the time bit but he loved Saul he loved Jonathan you know Jonathan's dad right right okay I'm just saying and here this man's trying to kill him all right so uh, let's uh, let's jump over here so uh, Saul I didn't read maybe read through all this but but Saul uh, was going to give him his his oldest daughter and of course then doesn't and then gets the next daughter or whatever and Michal is she's a you know but she actually loved David she you know it says in here that that she loved David and uh, she thought David was pretty keen so that worked out so they end up together 
Um, she didn't necessarily finish right, but, but nevertheless. So let's go to chapter 19. All right, so chapter 19. There's a lot in here. We could just read the whole thing and maybe, oh, never mind. Verse 1, chapter 19. Now Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants, and the, uh, that they should kill David. <laughs> Can you even just get this? I mean, it's like, you know, he's a, you know, you just put the guy in charge of more stuff. And he says, now listen, every chance you get, kill the guy. <laughs> well, you know, I think probably what his thought was, you know, which was stupid, but, you know, obviously he wasn't thinking clear, but, you know, how some people say, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, uh, keep, your, keep your enemies closer. It talks, you know, what's that old yeah. cliche, you know, keep them closer because you can keep an eye on them, you know. <laughs> but I don't know, I guess. But he's saying, I'll keep them closer, I can kill him. Anyway, but. Anyway, so, but it says here, but Jonathan, you know, he, he delighted greatly in David, man. He, David was a good friend. So Jonathan told David, saying, my father uh, is still trying to kill you. <laughs> Therefore, uh, please be on your guard <laughs> until morning and stay in a secret place. Or keep, just stay kind of out of out of sight a little bit, okay, man? Now let's jump down here. Let's look, uh, let's go down. Let's see, I don't know what verses I gave you, maybe all of them, but... Uh, uh, let's see here. Um, well, we'll just keep reading. And I will go out and stand before, uh, beside my father in the field where, where, uh, you are. And I will speak with my father about you. Uh, then what I observe, I will tell you. And then of course he's just kind of, you know, running shotgun for David. Uh, thus Jonathan spoke well of David and, and to Saul's father and said to him, let, let not the king sin against his servant against David because he has not sinned against you. He hadn't done anything to you. And because his works have been very good toward you. I mean, he's done everything to show honor towards you. For he took his life in his, own, in his own hands, right, and killed the Philistine. And the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. You were grateful at the time. Why then will you uh, sin uh, against innocent blood to kill David without a cause? And so Saul, so, I mean, he, obviously his son's thinking clear. So Saul heeded the voice of Jonathan and Saul uh, sw swore, as the Lord live, uh, he shall not be killed, which uh, that didn't last long. Then Jonathan called David, and Jonathan told him all the things, uh, you know, that was said, right? So Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as in times past. All right, so now, okay, David can come, in, come up close. And there was war again, and David went out and fought with the Philistine and struck them with a mighty, mighty blow, and they fled from him. Now the di distressing spirit here comes again from the Lord. And I, again, the Lord gets blamed for everything. Uh, uh, came upon Saul as he sat in his house, and his spear again was in his hands. David, when the spear is in his hands, don't go in there, dude. <laughs> but never mind. So David playing music again. Amen. So he went out to fight, but he'd come home and play music for Saul to keep Saul happy, I guess. And um, so Saul sought to pin David to the wall again. <laughs> Uh, but David, uh, David, of course, slipped away from Saul's presence. So again, we see, again, you know, this probably would be, I guess, I guess this would be the third time, you know, maybe the second separate time, but the third time that Saul tried to kill him. Are you hearing me? I'm, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, after that much, I mean, pretty soon you kind of start, yeah, I don't think he likes me. <laughs> I'd say after about three times having that spear thrown at you, I think I, I don't think I like him, right? But remember, he's a he's a man after God's own heart. Okay. Okay. So he he uh, 
he drove the spear into the wall, and so David fled and escaped that night. Okay, Saul also uh, goes on, sent messengers uh, to David's house that night. Again, going to try to kill him, but this time try to kill him in his house, asleep. And, of course, this time, uh, Michal, uh, she uh, told David, listen, you know, uh, you're going to want to get out of here because they're going to they're gonna come in here and kill you. So she helped him out, you know, got him out, out the back window or something, got him gone, and they kind of made a, a put a, some kind of a dummy thing in the bed. And so when they came in to kill him, they realized, oh, it wasn't David in the bed. And so the point was is here he is again trying to kill him, right? Now, you know, what would go through your head? We get all mad because somebody said something. Somebody posts something on Facebook. Ain't nobody throwing no spear at you. I'm just saying, you know, how many times does it take, you know? I mean, three times the spear has been thrown at you, and they come into your bedroom to stick a knife in you while you're in bed. I mean, that, you know. So, you know, so let's look at, uh, let's skip on here. David, uh, Saul basically keeps chasing after him, trying to catch him, you know. But let's go to chapter 24. There, we'll skip a little bit. We'll have to read all that. Chapter 24, verse 1. Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the, Phil, uh, from following the Philistines that it, that it was told him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness and in Gedi. And then Saul took 3,000 <laughs> 3, chosen men uh, from all Israel and went to seek David and his men on the, uh, on the rocks uh, of the wild goats. So obviously, there's a rocky area they're at. So he came to the, the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend to his knees, take care of business, I guess. And David uh, said to his men, uh, and they were right there close. They were in the crevices there, right? Uh, were, were staying in the recesses of the cave. In other words, they were right there. They saw it all go down. They were probably hiding because they heard him coming. Of course, it, Saul stops right there where they're at. And anyway, so then the men of David uh, said to him, this is, this is the day... <laughs> This is the day the Lord has made. <laughs> hey, you know, hey, man, I mean, the Lord brought him to you, man, to kill him. This is great. You know, they're all thinking, you know, they're thinking what you would have thought. Right? Are you hearing me? Okay, but David wasn't thinking that way, right? They said, this is the day of which the Lord said to you, behold, I will deliver. Look at David said, I will deliver your enemy into your hand. So, you know, they're, they're taking what was said to him, you know, a little bit out of context. Come on, somebody. I'm just saying that because I know David. So it's like, okay, David's all about God. Well, remember God said he's going to, you know, deliver the enemy into your hands. Here he is, your enemy. Well, he didn't see Saul as his enemy. I'm just trying to say, it's, I, sometimes I think, you know, how David could be so forgiving He's just quick to forgive. Okay. Okay, so uh, they're, they're trying to talk him into killing him, right? And they're even trying to make it scriptural. Are you hearing me? That's what they're doing. Well, uh, come on. Sometimes you, you just go on and you can think about all kinds of stuff. You can, it's amazing what you can make the, the word say when you want it to agree with you. Come on, right? Anyway, that's a whole other sermon. But it says, now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him. Or no, would I skip a verse? I skipped a verse, didn't I? No, no, no. Okay, David, oh, okay, here we go. David arose and secretly cut off 
a corner of Saul's robe, okay? So he got up close enough, and he slid a piece of the robe off of Saul. Okay, Saul didn't even, didn't even know it. He was that close. He could have, could have killed him right there. Now, it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had, he had done this. Uh, you know, he's, now he's feeling convicted because he cut Saul's robe. It's like, really? Right? Come on, guys. Isn't it right? I mean, look at this guy, right? Talk about conviction. And he said to his, he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing uh, to my master. What? The Lord's anointed. What? Huh? To stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained him. Who? who? David restrained, amen, his servants uh, with these words. In other words, they, want, they said, if you ain't going to do it, we'll do it. We'll take him out. You don't have to worry about it. Then you, okay, fine. You won't kill him, we'll kill him. <laughs> we don't have any conviction about that. He's a creep. Let's take him out. Right? Come on, I'm just saying, okay, just sometimes you just got to, you know, this is how everybody's head, their head's working no different than our head would be working, okay? And so uh, David restrained them, right, and, and did not allow them to, to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. And David arose, also arose afterward, went out of the cave and, and called out to Saul, okay? So basically Saul comes back out of the cave. David kind of comes out, crimes out of back back out of it, all right, and he's probably far enough away, but he begins to yell out to the king, my lord, the king. When Saul looked up behind him, David uh, stooped with his face to the earth and bowed down. <laughs> oh, my God, out of respect, right? Come on. And David said to Saul, uh, you know, uh, why do you listen to the words of men who say, indeed, David seeks your harm? Why, why, why? I mean, this must be the only reason that you keep trying to kill me. You keep thinking... You're listening to lies or something. People telling you to kill me. Why, why do you want to kill me? I'm on your side, right? Look this day. Your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you, in, uh, uh, delivered you today into my hand in the cave, and someone urged me to kill you. They all wanted me to kill you, son. But my eyes spared, uh, spared you, and I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, see, yes, see the corner of your robe in my hand. So he held it up. That's how close I got to you. So, of course, the king, you know, looks down, pulls up, and goes, whew, wake up. I could have took your life today, and I did not, even though I was urged to take your life. Are you still with me? Now, the point is, is that, uh, David is, you know, sparing Saul's life. Now it sounds like somebody's forgiven. He went back, back to work for him. Come on. I think if I threw a spear at any one of you, you probably wouldn't come back. <laughs> yes, yeah, I wouldn't come back. Come on now. Now I'm not looking. I don't have no spears with me, so don't worry. I'm all, it's all good. Amen. But, you know, Saul had the wrong spirit. Come on, somebody. And, uh, but the point I'm just trying to make is that um, we're looking at a man who could have done anything, had anything, was already even anointed to take over the, the, the king. Come on. And still made the decision, I'm going to do what's right. 
amen, before God. Regardless of how everything's gone down. Come on now. He could have justified it in his own head. You know it, right? All right. Chapter 26. Let's look at another, time, another thing here, all right? Are you still with me or am I boring you tonight? I'm just thinking that these are just some qualities. You think about, you know, a man like David. Why, is he a, why was he a man after God's own heart? Why was that? Why did God see that in him? I mean, we're talking about a man that didn't even do everything right, but, but yet went down in history, not only, not, even, not only spoken of in the Old Covenant, but it was recorded again in the New Covenant so that you and me would know, yes, he was a man after my own heart. Okay, so that's why we're doing this. Why is that then? Well, one of these things, and like I said, mentioned a lot of things last week, but this week, uh, the first thing is just the fact that he's a man that's quick to forgive. And I think, you know, I mean, surely, you know, as Christians, we should, you know, got the Holy Ghost on the inside. We should be pretty quick at forgiving, right? Think about all the problems that just be eliminated in the church if people just forgave. How many, how many problems would be taken care of in the houses, in our families? If I mean, good night. Believe me, I, I, I love my family, but I'll tell you, I got part of my family, you know, they don't have a family tree. It's a family bush. Go up to a reunion, you don't have a clue who's who and where this kid come from. And they all been married, remarried, and remarried again, and remarried again. And, cause and then they all talk about the ex and, and then that, and then this thing happens, and they're all there. Like jobs and work, and you're like, get me out of here. Anybody have something like that? I love them all. You know, you can go to the workplace. Come on, go to the workplace and just hear stuff. And then every day, everybody's just belly aching about stuff, right? You can go to church sometimes and get in little rap sessions and have Pastor Stew or Elder Stew or. Deacon stew or, or teacher stew or, okay. And the point is, if we just be quick to forgive, you might be amazed how many messes would just go by the wayside if we just be quick to forgive. Nobody's throwing a spear at you. Nobody's trying to take your life. I mean, they might have had a thought, but I, I don't think, it, you know, they, nobody followed through with it. Are you still with me? Chapter 26, let's go like down about verse 5. So David rose and came to the place where Saul had encamped. Saul's never stopped trying to kill him. And David saw the place where Saul lay and, and, and Abner, the son of Ner, the commander of his army. They were both lay, laying there sleeping at night, both laid out there just resting, you know, sleeping at night. So there's him and the commander. Now Saul lay uh, within the camp, with, everybody say within the camp, with, with the people encamped all around. Now he's in the middle, all the soldiers are camped out outside, so he's in the middle. <laughs> David answered and said to whatever his name is, the Hittite, Abishah, amen, and send uh, the son of Zeru, 
should have skipped this verse, brother of Joab, right, saying, uh, who will go down with me to Saul in the camp? And, uh, of course, uh, Abishah said, uh, yeah, I'll go down with you. So they, they sneak on in there, right? So David and Abishah uh, came to the, the people by night, and there Saul would lay sleeping within the camp with the spear stuck in the ground by his head, and, uh, and Abner and the people lay all around him. Now, they snuck all the way in, all the way through it, around everybody. Nobody hears him. There's two of them. Come on. And they get all the way up to where King is. Amen. And the commander of the army is laying right next to him. Okay. <clears throat> so uh, then uh, Abishah said to David, take him out. <laughs> God has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. Now, therefore, please let me strike him. <laughs> <laughs> at once with the spear <laughs> and uh, uh, right to the earth. I'll just pin him to the ground right now. We'll be done, done with this. And I will not have to strike him a second time. Believe me, I can take him out once, one swipe. Nobody's even going to hear anything. Done. We'll sneak on back out of here. Everything good. And you didn't even have to do it. You can even look the other way if you want to. I'll take him out. But, but David said to him, right, do not destroy him, for who can uh, stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? I love that. Uh, ever say guiltless? guiltless? I mean, if you stop and you think about it, you know, sometimes that's the thing about, uh, you know, crossing lines. Um, you know, you can be forgiven, and we're going to, you know, touch on that, you know, uh, you know later, and, and, um, and even some of the things we've been sharing on Sundays, you know, we're going to get on these kind of things, but... Um, you know, blood of Jesus, right? Mercy and forgiveness for the things we've done. But the problem was sometimes when you, when you don't, when you don't have a whole heart toward God, and you don't, you don't walk with some conviction about some things, you cross lines, and then the problem is here comes that guilt and shame and condemnation because that's how the devil operates. Even though you can be forgiven, but the, then you got to fight that mess out of your head because you crossed a line and you knew better and you. You yielded to it, and, and even though, yes, the, the blood of Jesus, praise the Lord, and there's mercy and there's forgiveness. Come on. You're the righteousness of God. We're not taking away any of that. But then there's that, 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 that little stinking demon now can sit on your shoulders and just whisper in your ear about how you knew better, and you still did it, and you call yourself a Christian, and just sit there and mess with your head with guilt and condemnation. And David just, you know, he knew about that too. Come on, somebody. And uh, but it said here, you know, you 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 know, uh, you know, be, to be guiltless here. And, but so David said, furthermore, as the Lord lives, the Lord shall strike him. Amen. Uh, or his his day shall come to die. In other words, I'm not going to deal with any of that. Let that between him and God. Or he shall go out to battle and and perish. Whatever. Uh, the Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against him. All right. So what, what had happened then? So David then took the spear, right, and a jug of water that was by his head. All right. So he took the, the spear and, and jug that was right next to him, and they snuck back out. And, of course, later on then, you know, yell up, you know, over the, you know, I could have took your life. Could have took you out. 
again. But I didn't. Come on. You know, he's just trying to get Saul to knock it off, right? Right? You know, proving to him, I, 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 I'll release you. I'll forgive you. Just, you know, I'm just showing you. I could have took your life. I could have done it. In fact, I think there's even one of the verses. He said, the guy that's sitting next to you needs to be killed for allowing this to happen. Should have took him out. Right? I wouldn't have let that happen. <laughs> that's what he's saying. I wouldn't have let that happen. I wouldn't have let some jerk come in and get close to you. I took him out. But I didn't take you out, right? Come on, I'm just saying. But the point is, he's letting it be known. I release you. I forgive you. Just leave me alone. All right. Well, anyway, praise God. Now, uh, I don't know that I'm going to go uh, any more of it, but I just want to uh, bring out um, uh, at the end of the book of 1 Samuel, David and, pardon me, uh, Saul and Jonathan are both killed in battle, um, are taken, you know, dying in, in battle. And there's a whole story behind that. But chapter two, uh, 2 Samuel, in the first chapter, we see where um, David mourns even mourns over the death of Saul and Jonathan. He could have just, the scriptures could have said he mourned over Jonathan's death because they were real close. But he said he mourned, they mourned, he mourned over Saul and Jonathan. And I'm just, you know, so the point I'm trying to make is this is a real deal. Real deal. He released him. He, he didn't hold anything against him. He was hurt that they were both dead. These are both men I was around. If I'd have been there, they wouldn't have died. But they're dead. Come on. I'm just saying, they're just, you know this is real. So when it says that integrity of heart and uprightness, he'd serve God. So this was a real deal to him. That's why, come on, God looks on the heart, right? God looks on the heart. So that obviously God saw it's a real deal. He's going to go the God route, right? Isn't that good? Amen. We have other references. Uh, 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. It's uh, one of the, we'll probably do a whole message around it coming up here, but um, this is when they come back to Ziklag and, and everybody's gone. The, 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 their families are gone, all their possession, everything. The, basically, the city's burned to the ground and, and boys are all upset and worked up. And David himself, too, because he lost everything, too. And they're, they're looking to kill him, looking to stone him. And you think, even that, we're talking about betrayal. We just got back from battle. We're, we fought along each side of each other. Now you want to kill me? What did I do? I was with you. Right? The point is, what he did is he went before God, because I think that's so key. He went before God, and the Word said he strengthened himself in the Lord. 1 Samuel 30, and I think it's like verse 6, I believe it is. He strengthened himself in the Lord. Instead of being offended, instead of being mad, instead of feeling, you know, the betrayal that was there. Come on, because there was betrayal there. You can't, you can't have people picking up stones ready to kill you and there not be betrayal. That's betrayal. Come on, right? right. So they're ready to kill him. 
And he looked the other way, looked to God, got strengthened in the Lord, and got a word from God what to do, and that's what they did. But the point I'm just trying to show you, this boy lived in this and still had a heart of forgiveness toward people. Are you still with me? Uh, another one that I, I, I'm not going to read, but, uh, but, but it comes up, you know, definitely later on in 2 Samuel. We see Absalom, his son, and everything he did to David. And, uh, and you know, it's like chapter, I don't know, 2 Samuel 15 or something like that, and 15, 16, 17, and 18. I think it's like about three or four chapters uh, all together in there and all this stuff that's going down. And Now, David was not the best father in the world. He did some, he lacked some skills there, I think. But, um, you know, Absalom ended up betraying him, doing some nasty stuff. Come on, somebody. Uh, just all against David. And David just, in a sense, just walked the other way. And, um, and later on, when Absalom ended up dead, because that's what's going to get at you. It's going to get you dead, son. Uh, it got him dead. And what had happened, David mourned Absalom's death. He could have said, good riddance, kid. They should have took you out and made another one like you. But he didn't. He's grieved. He's hurt. Amen. I'm just trying to show you that, that David had this, this quickness of forgiveness in him. That was pretty cool. And we can learn something from that. Look at your name and say, it's good to forgive. Amen? Well, let's just give you a new covenant verse, Colossians 3, verses 12 and 13. It just says this, uh, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies. That's what we do, right? Kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Uh, hopefully, I won't have to go through all them words, right? Bearing with one another and forgiving one another, right? If anyone has a complaint, we all do, right? We can all make our list. Got things we don't like. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. You know, I'd just tell you, just a verse like that, if we everybody just put it to practice, most issues would go out the window. Well, they need to pay for it. Well, so do you then. I don't know, maybe you are perfect. I doubt it. I'm not. Well, I'm pretty close, but I'm. Just ask my family. They'll tell you it's not true. But anyway, sometimes my attitude gets the best of me. Sometimes my words. Come on, somebody. I catch myself. Ugh, get my heart right. Get my head right. Come on, get my mouth right. Come on, somebody. Right? Things go on. So, you know, it's, you know, when you're sitting here and you're dealing with people, you have to understand there ain't any of us that's arrived, ain't any of us done it all right yet. There ain't any of us that hadn't made a mistake or hadn't slipped or said something we shouldn't have said or had some attitude that we shouldn't have had or, or crossed some line or, come on. But you got to be willing to forgive. All right. Everybody say quick to forgive. How about this? How about quick to repent? Yeah, let's look at a few things. Let's go back to 2 Samuel this time. Go to chapter 11. Because David not only was quick to forgive, he was quick to repent. Because David wasn't always a good boy either. Sometimes he crossed the line. And he really did in chapter 11. 
Come on. And uh, so uh, first, or 2 Samuel 11 says this, it happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle. Or say when kings go out. And if he'd have just went out like he's supposed to, he might not have had an issue. Come on now. And David sent uh, Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they all went out to battle. And they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged uh, uh, Rabah. And, and, but David remained at Jerusalem. So then it happened. One evening, he got bored. Can't sleep. Go out and hang out on the roof. Huh? Guess some patio out there probably, you know. But we're talking about the king's palace, so it's probably higher than everybody else's. That's how you can tell when you come into town. Who's the big cheese? Well, that big house. Right? Come on. So anyway, happened one evening that David arose uh, from, from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And he was just out there just bored. And, uh, and, and from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. Well, I guess when you look down over somebody else, and probably, you know, talking about the nighttime instead of the evening, so I don't know. So she's out there bathing, and uh, she was beautiful to behold. Never say beautiful to behold. That tells me something. She was staring a while. Somebody said, it's okay to look as long as you don't touch. Liar, liar, pants on fire. You look long enough, pretty soon you touch. Are you with me? So David sent and inquired about the woman, of course. Someone said, well, that's, uh, is that not Bathsheba, right? And the daughter of Iliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite, which is one of, or one of David's mighty men. Come on. Of course, then David sent a messenger and took her, and, and she came to him. And, of course, they slept together. And uh, said she said that's why she was bathing. She was cleansed from her impurities. And uh, so then uh, she then returned to her house. And the word says that she conceived, so now she's with child. So she sends word back to David that I'm with child. Now, David commits adultery. Well, that's what happens when you get distracted. You forget who you are. You're not doing what you should be doing. Come on. It's real easy for the enemy to slip in and get you caught up in stuff and do things. Come on. Think about anything you cross, any little line you crossed. Any line, doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be something like adultery. It could be something else. But you go on, you think about it. Every line you cross is because somewhere along the line you were distracted, caught up in something, whatever, forgetting who you were. Now, we're not here to condemn anybody. We're just saying that's what happens, okay? These kind of things happen. So David, you know, made a mistake. The problem is now it became a big mistake because now it ain't just the fact that you slept with a woman. She conceived. And your husband's out at war. We don't know how long they're going to be out there. So his mind's going, she's going to, he's going to come back. And she's going to be showing. He's going to start asking questions. <laughs> My lightning fast mind can figure that one out. I'm going to be in trouble. It's going to be me against one of my mighty men. And it may not be pretty, because I crossed the line. I did wrong. So the way to fix it is do another wrong. Because that's the way you start thinking. If you don't repent right then, come on, steady. He thought, well, I'll try to fix this. You know, he's not even thinking about God yet. Come on. At least not yet. And uh, should have been a little quicker. 
But, so he thinks, all right, I'll tell you what, I'm going to have Uriah brought back from battle for a, for, a, for a Selah. Bring him back, and he'll go ahead and sleep with her, and then he'll think it's his kid. Well, Uriah is a man of honor. He stayed close to the king's house, slept by his door, and said, I ain't going to do that. I ain't going down there when the rest of my comrades are out there at battle. I'm, and you're here. I ain't gonna, I'm not going to go you know, lay with my wife when, when they camp. So I'm staying right here. And he thought, oh, that didn't work. So then you think, okay, next best thing, let's have him killed. Yeah, your head gets. Come on now. And uh, so anyway, uh, he sends word back. That's the silly thing about it. I mean, he sent word back with Uriah. I mean, <laughs> in his hand to give <laughs> to the commander word, okay, okay, that this guy that just handed you the note, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna take him out into a heavy battle and then retreat. So he takes the hits. Come on, somebody. It's kind of crazy. But do you think maybe there's some things wrong with this? I don't know, just, just thought I'm having. Okay, we got adultery, now we got manipulation, and, you know, and all this kind of stuff, and just trying to save your own bacon. Come on, somebody, the things you'll do to try to do that. And then, then it goes down to the point that literally the man's killed in battle. So you basically arranged his death. So to me, that would say murder. Come on. So you're not only committed adultery, you've committed murder. Is anybody hearing me? Somebody says, is this the same guy we've been talking? Yeah, it's the same guy. It's amazing how these kind of things happen. So, you know, he's, you know, he obviously had got to this place somehow or another, got to the place where he maybe, maybe due to the busyness of life, maybe running a kingdom, I don't know. And he begins to back up a little bit. He's no longer calling on God, no, more, no longer communing with God. Because if he'd be communing with God, God would say, dude, wake up. Come on now. Listen, I've, I can't even tell you how many times I've seen it over the years. You know, where somebody just, uh, they're loving God, moving forward, but then they, this becomes a distraction. This becomes a distraction. This becomes, and pretty soon, we're not, we're not fervent for God like we were. Now we got this or excuse and this excuse and pretty soon we're not we're not we're not we're not in tune we're not where we need to be and pretty soon you're justifying everything and come on this is how it works this is what happened to David now you're not even going out to battle if you'd have went out to battle none of this would have happened you should have been out there with your troops okay that's what we do okay should have done that okay but you didn't so you wanted to take a selah in the wrong time. Come on. And so all this happens. Um, so anyway, here comes the prophet of God, right? Come on now. David thinks he got away with it. You know, I don't know. Well, chapter 12 of 2 Samuel, here comes Nathan, the prophet, and basically gives him this whole story about, you know, a rich man that took away something from, from a, a lowly man. Come on, right? David gets all, man, who is this? I'll, I'll take him out. How that's, that's, that's uncalled for. He said, you're the man. 
And it's like he had wake up, wake up, right? And he realized, I am that man. I'm it. I did that. So he repents. Praise the Lord. You know, everybody say, be quick, be quick to repent. I think he should have been a little quicker than this. But, but, but when he's in tune, he's quick. Come on. Right? Come on. So he, he repents. And, and it goes down in history. Uh, Psalms 51 is this, this song of repentance uh, of, of how he feels about what he's done. And, and uh, in fact, let's go there. Go Psalms uh, 51. Are you still with me, guys, or am I boring you? I just, I think about these kind of things. Remember, we're learning. You can learn from the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, uh, but, uh, you know, part of the song, we even sing, we even use it in some songs, right? And uh, verse 10 says, creating me a clean heart, O God, renew a right spirit or a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. And this is, of course, old covenant, but this is, you know, I don't want to lose that presence. And he didn't realize he already had lost it. And do not take uh, your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Amen. And we could probably read all of this, but it's just that this was his a whole psalm of repentance that because of what he had done, and it's like he woke up and realized what he had done, and, and he, then he repented. Amen. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm looking at all of this saying, you know, be, be quick to forgive and quick to repent. Amen. This, this is, this is what, what we, we as children of God need to take from this today. Amen. Uh, 1 John uh, 1, um, verse 9, uh, <clears throat> just says, you know, that if we confess our sins, right, He's faithful, right, and just to forgive us our sins, right, and to cleanse us from all righteousness. That's a good promise. Well, you know, I blew it. Well, don't, don't keep blowing it and turn, you know, one mistake into ten. You know, don't do like what David did there at that moment, but, but make it right. And, and, and God's faithful. God ain't out to condemn you. God, he's, out, he's not out to destroy you. He's out to bless you. Come on. Now, David, of course, had a consequence for that, that mistake. And the Word even says that he let the enemy in. Of course, the child was lost, but we're under a new covenant. Come on. And, you know, it's a little bit different because of the blood of the lamb. But at the same hand, to say that, they're, that you know, that the door still can't be open to where we give place to the enemy is a lie because you cross lines, you just automatically just throw the doors open. Now, you can quickly get those doors shut by repentance. The word repentance means to stop, turn, and go the other way. So that's what it means. So okay, you're, you're going the wrong direction. You've made a mistake. <sighs> Stop. Lord, forgive me. Oh, I know better than that. Go the other way. Come on now. <clears throat> I think about even some people, how, what would have happened if they would have, in the beginning, would have just shut her down, was quick to repent about something, and just made it right, and, and, and instead we... we, we let the thing fester or let the thing get worse and we try to fix it on our own and, and you know, maneuver this and manipulate that and do all these things and try to somehow smooth it over. 
How about another verse? Romans 2, let's put that one up, verse 4. <clears throat> I like this verse too. And Did I give you that one? I don't know if I did, Kieran. But let me read it to you then. Romans 2, verse 4. Amen. Talks about the goodness of God, right? Leads you to repentance. Everybody say the goodness of God. God's good, right? Uh, Romans 2 and verse 4 says, uh, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, his forbearance and long-suffering? Come on, remember all, but God's so good, right? Not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. Amen. It'll, it'll change. So it, you, you got to remember. That's why it's so good to know how good your God is. Amen. Uh, you know, somebody says, oh, I, I, I made a mistake, and oh, I shouldn't have made a mistake. No, you shouldn't have, but, but you get up, you brush yourself off, and you move forward again. You repent, and, come on, change, get, it, get back in this thing. Come on, right? Yeah. A lot of people see what happens. The enemy is so good at, mani- you know, uh, at maneuvering and, and, and manipulating your head. Um, you know, when you cross a line, you know, first off, he talks you into doing it, then you do it, and then he says, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you did it. Right? So then, he, then that's where that guilt, remember, and that condemnation and that shame all comes in. And so now you got to fight that mess off. All right? So, uh, you know, that's what we don't, we, don't, we don't want that mess, right? We don't want him in at all, right? But when it does happen, stop, turn, go the other way, repent, right? Come on, move forward, amen. Don't let him keep taking from you. Talking about the enemy. Are you still with me? So it's the goodness of God. One more verse. We'll do that. Uh, 2 Corinthians 7. I like this verse too. Verse 10 says this. Uh, For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation. Right? Everybody say it leads to salvation. Uh, not to be regretted. In other words, if you, if you, if, if you, if you move toward repentance, amen, praise God, uh, it's a good thing. But the sorrow of the world produces death. You just, I just thought it would be worthy of bringing this out. You know, the difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. Okay, worldly sorrow is you're, you're just sorry you got caught. Ugh, got caught. Well, that's, if that's the only thing that's working in you, then chances are there's gonna, it's going to lead to something bad. Come on. But a godly sorrow just means that, you know, you, you, oh, what have I done? Oh, Lord, forgive me. See, but it produces repentance. So then if it's, if, right, come on, right? So then all of a sudden you're just like, oh, I need to. Lord, you know, so it makes you lift your hands toward heaven, you know, and Lord, forgive me, and which then turns and now leads you toward salvation, the breakthrough. Come on, somebody. That's a good promise. I said that's a good promise. See, we're not encouraging sin. We're not justifying sin. We're not excusing sin. We're not making up some kind of, you know, uh, thing to say it's okay to do it a little bit. or what. We're not saying any of that. We're just saying that, listen, it's bound to happen. We're somewhere along the line. You say something. You do something. You react. You Whatever. Something. That's a good time to stop, pause, whoa, breaks. Hold it. I know better than this. Lord, forgive me. Amen. Repent, stop, turn, go the other way. Praise God. Start heading toward where you need to be heading toward. Did you get something today? Amen. Praise the Lord. Give the Lord a praise. Amen. Amen. Why don't you all stand up? Praise God. Be quick to forgive and quick to repent. Amen. Now, uh, you know, I thought this, you know, as you're standing up, I thought that, you know, when we were that verse out of Psalms 51, you know, creating me a clean heart. That, it, it, you know, I just think sometimes, um, you know, especially when you got something working, it shouldn't be working in there and you know it. Just think about this. David said, create in me. Create in me. Like right now, he knew, how did I get to this place? How did I get here? 
This, my heart's not where it should be. He ended right, but, but there's a moment there he's not right. Now, Solomon got to that, did mistakes, and never got right. Right? So, David obviously did repent, and he said, Create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit in me. So, I take that as that. If David could do that, we could do that. I mean, if some old covenant guy can get that, we in the new covenant can get that. Right? I mean, so if, if somehow or another you feel like you're not where you need to be, you know, if you think, oh, my inside's all scrambled up and it ain't, it ain't good. Well, then, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. I'm looking to you, leaning in you, trusting you. Make this thing right on the inside. Amen. Because you know if it ain't right in here, remember, everything comes out of the heart. Everything, good, bad, and ugly, all comes out of the heart of man. That's what Jesus said. Everything comes out of the heart of man. So you got it, You want that thing right, that core right. So, Lord, create me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. So I, I just throw that out to you. You know, I don't know where you're all at. I, I would like to think that, you know, you're all here. You're my Wednesday night crowd, man. You guys are rah, rock solid, rah, man, conquering and taking ground. Hallelujah. Amen. So I'm telling you all this so you can tell the other guy that's having issues, all right? All right, there you go, amen. But that's, I think that's just a cool promise. And um, so sometimes, you know, it's just good to say, Lord, create me a clean heart, renew a right spirit. I want this thing right, amen. It's not where it needs to be right now, and I want this thing right. I want to be quick to forgive. I want to be quick to repent. So, Father, I give you praise and glory for that, amen. Did you get something tonight? Yeah. I just think that's all good thing. I think these are things we can learn from from David. Amen. Father, we give praise and glory today. Once again, thankful for uh, your word, thankful for uh, these truths. Thank you, Lord, for growing us up. Praise God. Making us the men and women of God that we are really called to be. Praise God. People with, with integrity of heart and walking in uprightness before you. Praise God. People after your heart. Praise the Lord. And uh, we give you the praise and the glory for that. Thank you for working these things. And we give you praise. And, Father, for, for those maybe listening or watching by Internet today, maybe, uh, maybe Lord, uh, uh, you know, that's uh, creating us that clean heart, renew that right spirit. If, if that's us that's struggling with these things, man, just do a work right now. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Take out all the junk, put in all the good. Hallelujah. Whatever it needs to be. For that, we give you praise. For that, we give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give the Lord a praise, everybody. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.